Hello, and welcome to another episode of Outsmart Charles Bennett. I'm Charles Bennett, and you're not. Let's meet tonight's contestants. A healthcare benefits denier from Long Beach, Brandon. An architect from Palo Alto, Usman. And a theater teacher from the Inland Empire, Danny. You may notice that Danny and Brandon are gluttons for punishment. Let's take a look at tonight's categories. Literature, art history, fear and loathing in Los Angeles, they come in fours. Give me a date, please. Most things to do with the NBA. Always natural, always fresh, and dead white guys. Brandon, I believe it's your board. I'd really like to say give me dead white guys, but I don't want that category, so I'm going to go with fear and loathing in Los Angeles. All questions must be answered while uh, smoking cheap cigarettes in a 50s convertible and wearing a Hawaiian shirt. This Los Angeles neighborhood is associated with a motion picture industry. Um, what is it, Burbank? John, uh, we may have to give that one to I mean, Hollywood would be... Hollywood is the answer we were going okay. to. But, but okay. there are enough, there are enough film and television studios in Burbank that that problem, which by the way is a separate city, um, that that probably could be an acceptable answer. Buildings at this Los Angeles University include the Ronald Reagan Medical Center, Royce Hall, and Poly Pavilion. I am but a poor boy who went to a Cal State University, so I'm not sure the answer to this one, but I'm going to go with UCLA because of the number of alumni on this game right now. Yes, however, you you may you may uh, you may not be aware of this. I am not one of those on that. Neither am I. My master's is from uh, oh, SC. Nice. Okay. Of the red, blue, green, purple, gold, or expo lines, the one that you could have taken to the Heritage Square or the Southwest Museum. Oh, see, I was too poor to go to a university like USC or UCLA, but I was too well off to take the metro everywhere. Um, we'll just go with uh, the gold line. Well, you took a shot in the dark and you uh, hit your target. Ah. You would have also accepted its current name, the L line. Usma, I believe it's uh, your board. Let's go with literature. Danny, I suppose you're pretty angry at her for picking that category, having taught high school well, English. Um, if, yeah, this is one that'll go to me. It's okay. We'll see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a lot of confidence, so maybe Danny will thank me. Holden Caulfield is the protagonist of this coming-of-age novel. Catcher in the Rye. That's correct. This author wrote the plays Death of a Salesman, The Crucible, and All My Sons. Oh no. I've like done two of those plays too. Mm. Pass. Uh, Danny, you wanna, you wanna clean up on this one? Yeah, Arthur Miller. I should so certainly hope you know who wrote The Crucible. <laughs> These are all great American plays. I love all of them. In my defense, the last time I worked on The Crucible was in 2002. <laughs> it's a long time ago. 20 years ago. The Muckraker, Christian, and Mr. Feeblemind are characters in this allegorical novel. Uh, the Pilgrim's Progress? Yep. Alice, oh, a nice, nice shot in the dark. I'm like, I don't know any other allegorical novels outside of like Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. So, <laughs> true story, my mom tried buying me a copy when I was a kid. She's like, you would love this. And I, it's like written in like 17th century or 18th century English. And I'm like, mom, I have no idea what's going on here. She's like, uh oh, and like super disappointed. <laughs> Danny, the next category is yours. 
Uh, let's go with most things to do with the NBA. This player for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Miami Heat, and LA Lakers was NBA MVP in 2009, 2010, 2012, and 2013. Who is LeBron James? Dropped 56 points on the Golden State Warriors yesterday, even though the Lakers are terrible. The duo of the Splash Brothers consists of these two Golden State Warriors players. Uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson? That's correct. Cool. Of the Anderson Packers, Bloomington Packers, Chicago Packers, Cleveland Packers, Green Bay Packers, or Pittsburgh Packers, the two that are former NBA franchises. Oh, all right, all right. Um, uh, shot in the dark, Anderson Packers and the Chicago Packers. Why not? Why not indeed? That's correct. What? Anderson and Chicago, our contestants are now two for two on that. The Anderson Packers were a part of the uh, Industrial National Basketball League prior to 1949, and they played one season in the NBA. The Chicago Packers also played a single season uh, the year that Walt Bellamy was drafted, and then they renamed themselves the Chicago Zephyrs and then became the Baltimore Bullets, which I believe we discuss on in uh, one of our other episodes. So, Danny, you are in the lead with 55 points. Brandon has 30. Osma has um, five. And Brandon, the next category is yours. I'll take a shot in the dark and go with they come in fours. The four tops, four freshmen, and the four diamonds are examples of these. Or musical groups? Musical groups or quartets. Traditionally, they are war, slaughter, famine, and death not a Notre Dame backfield. <laughs> the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. That's correct. Name Franklin yeah. Roosevelt's Four Freedoms. See, this is one of those smart questions I was worried about. Um, I don't know, truth, liberty, freedom, justice. Uh, that's incorrect. Ozma, do you want to ring in? No, I'll pass. <laughs> Danny, want to take a stab at the Four Freedoms? Uh, I, I will also pass. Don't know that. Enlighten us, Charles. Well, the first freedom is freedom of speech. The second is freedom of religion. The third is freedom from want. And the fourth is freedom from fear. And yes, I am standing in front of a picture of FDR when I'm saying this, because there's a... <laughs> picture of FDR in my dining room. And doing a decent session too. Nice. <laughs> Nothing to fear but fear itself. My friends, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about banking. Next to my fireplace over the radio because it's 1942. 1933, Danny. Oh. 1933. First fireside chat was 33. There's my fireside. I'll go with always natural. This category brought to you by the Foster Farms chickens. I've been told Foster Farms is not a sponsor. I'm hearing that through my non-existent earpiece. Frogs and salamanders are this type of animal. Amphibian? That's correct. Yay. These California trees can be over 200 feet tall and 1,000 years old. Okay, 
So it's either a redwood tree or it's a sequoia. We would accept, we are accepting either of those. Oh, all right. Well, there we go. One species of this vulture is native to California. You see the turkey vulture? Nope. Danny, you want to try and steal? Uh, is it the California condor? It is the California condor. As in California high school condors. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny, I believe the next category is yours. Uh, let's go with art history. Cubism, surrealism, and op art are movements that occurred in this century. Uh, the 1920s, I believe, or 20th century, 20th century. The 20th Sorry. century. <laughs> yeah, not decade, century, got it, okay. The cathedral at Aachen, or Aix-la-Chapelle, was built during the reign of this Holy Roman Emperor. Oh, uh, I'm gonna pass. Brandon for the state. I have no clue. Um, but I'm still going to attempt it because I'm only going to lose one point. So I'm going to say um, Augustus. Nope. Usma. Oh, man, I should know this because it's a piece of architecture. Yes, you should know this. Even if you, even if you didn't take, uh, even if you're not an architect, you should kind of know this because this is a 200-point question, not a 300. <laughs> um, I don't know it, though. Okay, okay. Nobody, nobody could come up with Charlemagne? Oh, Charlemagne. Oh. My next guess is going to be Constantine, because I'm like, okay, it has to happen after Constantine, like, franchised Christianity. So I was like, oh, well, the only one I could think of is Constantine. <laughs> Emmanuel Lutze's most famous painting depicts this revolutionary war event. Uh, uh, shot in the dark, uh, the crossing of the Delaware. That's correct. Washington crossing the Delaware. The revolutionary War painting I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. So. <laughs> you know what's Same. funny is he painted it while he was in Germany and without have actually having seen the event. Let's take a look at the scores. Usma has uh, 19, which I believe translates to 1.8 Steffens. Brandon has 43. And Danny is in the lead with 90. We'll be right back to pay for buying discount hams after Easter. Is this show airing after Easter? Wait a minute, is, when is this show airing? I don't know. We'll see. In, in about Lent's a month. Week, so 40 days from now. <laughs> now didn't, didn't Lent just start? <laughs> yeah, uh, the 12th, uh, April 12th. No, that's Holy Week. All right, good enough. We'll, we'll be right back after we uh, pay for buying discount hams at an after Easter discount ham sale. <laughs> Outsmart Charles is made possible by viewers like you. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share our link to help grow our channel. If you want to further support the show or have access to bonus content, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash outsmartcharles. Upon further review, our judges have determined that Usma's answer of turkey vulture was correct as they are native to California. So we have adjusted her score accordingly. Welcome back to Outsmart Charles. Um, I'm going to ask each contestant about the silliest mishaps they've ever been in, starting with Ozma. Well, I'll tell you, I don't know how, <laughs> maybe I'm overselling this, but yes, I was in the kitchen and 
I was taking a, I have my food processor on a very high shelf and the blade of the food processor is in a box on this very high shelf. And so on onto the ground and I heard a clatter and I decided to take a step back to see what had happened. And in the process, I sliced open my foot. It was very clean. It was like a very sharp blade. Um, and basically like this side and half, just kind of like a nice of the pandemic where I had just learned that one of my best friends was so paranoid that she was like not seeing anybody. I like didn't feel comfortable calling her because I didn't want her to like be uncomfortable, but I really needed to go and get stitches. It was just like bleeding and trying to like get emergency medical gear to try and soak up all the blood. My husband was on a hike and he was an hour into a hike. So he was basically unreachable. Um, and in sort of, after sort of bleeding in my bathroom for about 20 minutes, my neighbor, bless his soul, um, picked up my phone call and came and drove me to the ER. And it's also the first time I've ever had stitches. The blade is still in my possession. It's now on a lower shelf. What's a low shelf? <laughs> I do not know this term, low shelf. Charles, you're making a I am tall. making I'm a tall a joke. I'm 6'1". Ah, there you go. Well, I can get under spaces very easy. <laughs> Grabbing things may not be my forte. <laughs> Brandon, what's the, the silliest mishap that ever befell you? This is so stupid. I was hosting showing the Rocky Horror Picture Show at a uh, the Warner Grand Theater, which is a 3,000 seat uh, performing arts theater. And we'd never had a show before ours that used the organ on stage to host the show. The lights hadn't come up yet. And I walked right off oh, the edge no. of the stage oh, no. and fell into the orchestra pit. Like, I, it was like a nightmare because I couldn't see what was happening. I had no idea, like my brain was not oh, processing as it oh, happened, what had happened. Um, so I guess it's less silly and more terrifying because I could have definitely impaled myself on one of the many orchestra stands underneath it. Luckily, I just landed on my wrist oh, on concrete boy. about 10 feet down. So I was so, I had so much adrenaline that I ran up the stairs backstage and came out on stage to an audience that had no idea what had happened. You could tell what happened when they saw the big curve in my my arm. And I went out there long enough to hand it off to my co-host and I went backstage and went to the ER and got all that taken care of. So that was, that now, was you, cool. you didn't embarrass yourself in, in front of any celebrities, did you? I know we're talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show here. So there are absolutely <laughs> no celebrities. <laughs> As a theater educator, it's my worst nightmare. Like my, my school has a has a ridiculously stupid orchestra pit that has like no railing or any kind of like barrier to be like, oh, there's an orchestra pit there. And it's just all realized uh, 20 feet down, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's, oh. Well, good news. You, if it does happen, they might survive well, to tell about it on, well, uh, on a trivia game well, show uh, 10 years later. Just, so. just if, you, if you fall into the orchestra pit at the high school I went to, just don't fall on the world's Yeah, organ. well, your high school has a... A really nice orchestra pit it's huge bigger than the one at my school but at least that one has like a little like there's like have some kind of sense of when it's coming my school like has nothing it just drops off my story is theater related as well so but it wasn't walking off a off it was falling off of a set so uh was this at somebody high or somewhere else uh it was a community theater i think it, i think it was while i was at Whittier high though i was probably in high i do stupid things all the time but i just can't think of anything specific at the time and it's the only thing that comes to mind I guess the title of this episode is going to be Falling into Orchestra Pits or something like that. <laughs> so the reason why I don't teach my theater courses in my theater anymore, because students would go into the orchestra pit and hide. In the final three categories, point values are doubled and passes go to the lab. Brandon, uh, please choose from Give Me a Date, Please, Always Fresh, and uh, I'm going to go with Always Fresh. Will Smith rose to fame in this 1990s comedy. What is Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? That's correct. This group sang a song about being so fresh and so clean. 
Um, that was Outcast. I think I'd have to get back to my 90s kid card. This NPR program is a long-form interview show where celebrities go one-on-one with host Terry Gross. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Brandon Humphrey, and I'm only familiar with All Things Considered um, on NPR. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, I'm just going to go. I believe now. No, it should go. It passes to the left this round, uh, John. Danny, do you we're want on to with steal Charles this Bennett, question? and I'm Terry Gross. This is Fresh Air. That's correct. Uh, no, Brandon, have you heard of the show Fresh Air? I have. I probably would have cleaned up that category. <laughs> Let's do, give me a date, please. Okay. For each of these categories, you must name the year or um, the event occurred. I was kind of hoping it'd be like pickup lines. Yeah, see, missed opportunity. <laughs> the first moon landing. 1969. California statehood, hint, as a result of the compromise uh, of this 1856? year. 1856? Nope. <sighs> Close. Osma. Just... Usma. 1850. 1850 is correct. What? <laughs> <laughs> you can see how much confidence I had in that. Okay. Answer. The Great Fire of Rome. Uh, pass. Usma. Um, uh, maybe the year. Um, gosh, 600? No, not even close. Uh, Brandon. Uh, this is pre-internet, correct? Uh, yeah. I have no, are we allowed to say anything you want? I have no <laughs> clue. You can bleep me if you want, but I have no idea. I was going to pass on any of these deep questions. Okay, the correct answer is AD 64. Um, Nero was emperor. Yeah, I knew it had to be like in the first 300 years because uh, he used the rise of Christianity as an excuse yeah, to burn the city and, down. And, but and I, I, I couldn't tell you what specific year. the martyr, Saints Peter and Paul. Now, Usma, the last category is yours, and it is Dead White Guys. Alrighty. Sadly, this comedian of Mrs. Doubtfire and Flubber fame died by suicide in 2014. That's a wonderful Robin Williams. And that's correct. The only American president never elected to national office, he was continually lampooned by Chevy Chase <laughs> in the initial seasons of Saturday Night Live. Uh, George Washington? George Washington was before television. <laughs> Brandon for the sale. I believe it was Gerald Ford. It was Gerald Ford. This 7th century English monk and historian wrote the ecclesiastical history of the English people, one of the first major works to use honor dominate. Hmm. Uh, St. Benedict? No. Brandon for the sale. How many points do I lose if I get this wrong? One. And I guess. Oh, um, Felonius? That's incorrect. Now, Danny, do you want to answer this uh, question incorrectly 20 <laughs> or 30 times? I'll, I'll answer it incorrectly once. Um, the Archbishop of Canterbury. Hey, we were no looking idea. for St. Bede, the Venerable. My dad doesn't seem to be anywhere around here, but he knows where to that. Come on, no. Bede, B-E-D-E. Come on, people. You don't know your medieval English monks? What did they teach you in seventh grade? Who was your seventh grade oh, history Charles. teacher? <laughs> I do teach seventh grade history and sixth grade and fifth grade and a lot of grades of history and other stuff. All they ever do is they just sit in a corner by the fireplace reading McGuffey's Eclectic Reader. If you had uh, McGuffey's Eclectic Reader on your bingo card, that's a shot. I mean, come on. Isn't this the show people watch to have 
random references to McGuffey's eclectic. I think figure. if you're going to reference that, this would be the show for it. Anyway, let's take a look at those scores. <laughs> Usma has 62. Uh, Brandon has 92. And uh, going to face me in the final round, Danny has 128. We're going to take this short break to find out how to save me on car insurance. Think you can outsmart me? I don't think so. But if you want to try, go to bit.ly slash outsmartcharles and fill out our contestant submission form. We're always looking for new challenges. Welcome back to Outsmart Charles. Danny returned and has made it to the final round to face off against Charles in categories of their choosing and my attempt to write questions that could possibly stump them. Tonight's categories are Crayola Crayon Colors, Jeopardy, The Bible, Its Content, History, and Church History in General, The Fab Four, Beatles Trivia, and The Movies, The Academy Awards, and Its Winners. Danny, you have first choice. Where should we go? Uh, let's start with the movies, the Academy Awards, and his winners. What 2019 film was the first non-English language film to win an Oscar Parasite. for Best Picture? That is correct. What silent war film was the first Best Picture Oscar winner? Uh, All is Quiet on the Western Front. I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Charles for the steal. Wings. Wings. Wings is correct. Have you seen um, Wings, Charles? I don't I, I don't know if I've, I've seen it except in clips of the Academy Awards where they reference it in films that have won Best Picture before. I think, fun fact, no one has seen Wings. What movie was the first to win the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature? Uh, Shrek, I believe. Shrek is correct. What two categories were combined into one at the 93rd Academy Awards? Ooh, uh, was it uh, production design and it's like, it's, it's like art concept. I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to, yeah, production design and some other one that basically became like art concept or something. I don't remember. I know I'm wrong. I hope okay. happy, Charles. <laughs> the other one is art direction, isn't it? Art direction and production design. Are those the two that were combined? Those are not the two that were combined in this one. Uh, probably should have given the year on it. Uh, it was a recent one. Uh, this was best sound mixing and best sound editing. Oh, they made that into one? Yep. Nobody knew the difference between the two of them except the people who actually did the job. And so they got tired of explaining it every single year on the ceremony. What 1981 movie was the first to win the Academy Award for best makeup and hairstyling? Oh, um, 1981. Uh, was it like Batman Returns? It was not Charles Steele. I'm tempted to say it was Tootsie, but I thought Tootsie might have been 82. It was not Tootsie. Uh, I think they got rid of it now, but there was for a brief time a uh, makeup and effects uh, exhibit and show at the Universal Studios in Florida, uh, where they showed off the effects for an American oh. werewolf in London. Transformation uh, into the werewolf. Werewolves of London. Do, do. <laughs> All right, that was uh, decently tough there. It wasn't too many points given up uh, either way. Uh, Charles. All right, time for the Jeopardy. All right, this is the Jeopardy category. Uh, for this category, I will require all answers to be in the form of a question, just for fun. Jeopardy was created in 1964 by this host of Player Hunch and Keep Talking. Well, at least I get five points out of this. Uh... Who is Merv Griffin? Who is Merv Griffin is the correct question. A Merv Griffin production. He was the host of Jeopardy! When Weird Al recorded I Lost on Jeopardy! in 1983. Uh, that was still Art Fleming. Ooh, I'm going to pass this one to Danny. The host? 
Yes. I, I only know one host, so Alex Trebek. Ooh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was a bit of a trick whoa, question. Whoa, whoa, Our whoa. was the... Uh, whoa, are you going to... Please do not tell me you're going to say the host was Don Pardo. He was he, the announcer! No. 1983. Oh. On, in 1983, uh, Jeopardy! was not on the air. It was off the air from 79 to 84. Uh, and Art Fleming already had turned down returning as host when it would be relaunched in 84, and they had not yet gotten Alex Trebek. Yeah, that was a trick question. It was nobody. Nobody was the host in 1983. He holds the record for the highest single game winnings in Jeopardy at $131,127. Uh, who is James Holtzauer? Ah, trick question. It was actually 131, 128. It's nobody. No, that was James Holtzauer. Yeah, I'm not going to do that trick question again. That was mean. On November 23rd, 2021, contestant Matt King broke this Jeopardy record. Uh, does he hold the record for finishing uh, double Jeopardy and uh, most in the hole? Uh, I'll give that to you with that. Yes, the lowest score in Jeopardy uh, at negative $6,400. Now you've come up with something completely ridiculous and pedantic. Even more ridiculous and pedantic than host of 1983. Let's hope. Let's hope. All right. And uh, I will be putting on the 30-second timer for this one. This is the highest possible score in a game of Jeopardy. Counting or not counting the daily doubles? The highest possible. If all goes the optimal way that you could possibly have it go in a game of Jeopardy, this is the highest score ever possible, conceivable, in a single game of Jeopardy. Okay, 600 times. Oh, at least I know that if I don't get this right, I doubt Danny can either. Danny, oh. start doing your math now. I'm gonna give you 10 more seconds. I'm not going to get it. I'm just going to say it's, I need a pencil and paper. That's much better. Uh, is it a, is it a 142,400? No, Danny, for the steal. Uh, 300,000, just as a wild guest. You are closer, but we're not gonna play prices oh, right I here. Oh, I forgot, I forgot to- 56,000. Yeah, you forgot to double okay, it a bunch well, of times. I think I can explain the math. I didn't have enough time to All do right. it. All right, 556,400. I'm gonna skip putting out on, the answer. Hold on, Mike. Dad's yeah, walking in. Yeah, they didn't know who B was. I assume the way the math works is get everything right in single jeopardy. My MB allocators will get mad at me for that term. Get everything right in single jeopardy and get the daily double as the last clue in a 200 point area, bet it all, get it right, and do it all over again in double jeopardy, getting the daily doubles as the last two questions, and they're both 200, no, 400, the lowest point possible, 400 in double jeopardy, and then uh, in final jeopardy, yes. betting it all. Yes, near right. impossibility that that would ever happen. Uh, <laughs> Danny, where to next? Uh, let's do Fab Four Beatles trivia. Probably something I know less about than the Holy Scripture. Who were the Fab Four members that made up the Beatles? Paul McCartney, uh, George Harrison, John Lennon, Ringo Starr. That's correct. Starting up easy for you. Ringo Starr is the stage name for what member of the Order of the British Empire? Uh, Richard Starkey. 
a uh, little more specific, uh, taking the consideration of the, the wording of the question there. Sir Richard. Stone. There we go. <laughs> Not deny him his title. Formed in 1956, what was the name of John Lennon's skiffle band before the Beatles? The Quarrymen. Correct. Controversy arose from the original Bloody Butcher cover of what album? Ooh, I want to say it's Meet the Beatles. I'm sorry, no. Charles for the steal. Is it Hard Day's Night? You're looking for Yesterday and Today. Yesterday Man. and Today. Have you seen that cover? Yeah, it's got like a bunch of doll parts. Yeah. And they're like... All right. This next question is a tough one. But let's see. I didn't know how, how tough of a Beatles trivia I was going to need to write for you. <laughs> As mentioned in a Rolling Stone interview, what was the full sentence of the tape loop from which Lennon took a voice saying number nine in Revolution As 9? mentioned in a Rolling Stone interview, what was the full sentence of the tape loop? Uh, to, uh, okay, so it's, it's something like, I, I, I'm not going to get this, but it's something like John is Superman... Uh, or I, I don't remember. Paul was the walrus. I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember exactly what it was. I know it's like really weird and out all there. Right. Also Charles, let's see if you can steal this one. It's all tied up. Uh, John is Superman. Paul is the walrus. And George drank a bottle of love potion number nine. Oh, that did include the words number nine. So that was, that was good to try to steal there. Uh, it was this is EMI test series number nine. Oh wow! Yeah, it was like a yeah, I, EMI. I recording. thought about yeah. guessing like maybe he recorded it at a deli, and maybe the guess was now serving number nine. That was, it was a pre-existing tape loop that uh, that John Lennon took and uh, made into that, and and apparently there's no reason anyone should know that, but it, it is documented somewhere, so, so, so theoretically to, knowable. If Danny wants to win this one, he's going to have to steal some some from Yeah, their colors are. I feel Whatever, like you know Bible. something about the Bible, so I'm going to pick Crayola Crayon Colors. All right, Crayola Crayon Colors, as written by someone who's colorblind. In 1996, Crayola celebrated their 100 billionth crayon by publishing this color, credited to Mr. Fred Rogers. Uh, I believe it was a uh, blue ribbon was their uh, 100 millionth color. That is correct. This 1994 line of Crayola crayons was changed in 95 because of complaints from parents over children eating them. Is that the uh, color and smell crayons? Uh, that's not the title we're looking for. Uh, Danny, for the steel. Yeah, I, I don't know the specific title, but it's scent, scented scented colors, scented fruit fruit scents. I don't know. <laughs> scented, I don't know. It's definitely, they smell good, and so therefore, <laughs> that, that's the problem. Well, since I didn't give it to Charles, I'm not going to give you the points for that. There's magic scent crayons. Magic scent. Magic okay. scent crayons. I think the, the later version of that line is the one that Charles said. But they, they had them a lot of them named after uh, foods, and they, they switched them to not be named after foods. And Crayola was like, there were only like five kids that did that, so come on. And they're non-toxic. Like, no one got hurt from eating them. In 1926, Crayola acquired Munsell Color Company and released a set of 22 crayons with combinations of these five principal hues plus middle gray and black. So looking for five colors here. Five principal hues. Just five, not six? Uh, yes, just five. Okay, red, blue, yellow, green, and violet are my guesses. I'll give that to you. I'm going to be nice here. Is it indigo? Um, they, called it, they called it purple. Oh, purple. Um, red, yellow, green, blue, and purple. But... Subsequent oh, crayon colors of violet. Like there's violet red, there's violet blue. Uh, 
there's blue violet there's red violet no wait violet blue they changed to, to indigo in the 1995 set of crayola changeables applying the color changer crayon to red would produce this color green sorry danny for the steel uh applying the color changer to red would produce uh blue blue is correct oh nice Hey. Hide it up. This is great. Danny's going to just just make a desperation. I'm going to get this next one wrong. And then Danny's going to make some desperation fling at the buzzer. And he's going to outsmart. I was looking at the all the color change things. And like, I didn't spend too, too long looking at it. But I was trying to figure out like what the uh, scientific process was this for why it changed. So much easier um, if, if he just 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 focused on the ones that you know actually are in a standard box of 64 crayon crayola crayon yeah, that'd be boring you should have said standard box of 64 crayon colors and then maybe the, the questions would all be about that but nope you had crayola color crayons you were too broad charles all right it all comes down to this one let's see if uh you can prevent danny from getting the steel here and this is another um complex answer in 1992, Crayola released a set of these eight multicultural crayons intended to represent various skin tones. Uh, so looking for eight colors here. They actually named all eight of those colors? Yeah, interestingly, these colors exist outside of this set as well. They're just included here uh, to represent skin okay. tones. Uh, peach, apricot, uh, yellow, Melon, raw sienna, raw umber, brown, and burnt sienna. Not correct, Danny, for the steel. There's no way I'm going to get this. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, how? Uh, <laughs> the thing is, like, how racist was the Crayola? Crayola? We'll we can talk about that. In a Let's say how racist were they in '92? That's the. Now, if you ask them how racist were they in '42? <laughs> um. Okay. Eight colors, skin tones. Okay, white, black, brown, yellow. We'll start there, there's four. <laughs> oh no, um, I just realized what color was a color that might've been in there that I should have guessed because they hadn't changed the name of that color yet. Um, I think I think Charles said there was a, a, a color called melanin. I'll, I'll go with that, sure. There's, there's five, uh, peach, six. I need something between um, like, uh, chocolate brown i know i'm getting this wrong and uh uh i don't know i need one more color uh no i can't even give a bad joke color um and burnt red sure we'll go with that so i'm gonna burnt red john color. i should have john don't tell me that they put indian red in this in this mix did they put indian red in thankfully this mix? no this was uh they they learned a bit of a lesson because they had changed skin tone uh this was i think in response to them them previously having the color skin tone uh which was changed to peach flesh uh, the set included black white flesh flesh that's right flesh uh black white tan sepia peach mahogany oh my God, burnt sienna, three. and apricot I got, I got you had a couple of those right in there sienna. yeah I think you might have even said uh, black or white. At least Danny got those. Um, yeah, you got get pretty close on there. Just not. I not think they wised up. I think that when they produce the multicultural skin tone colors, they stop giving them names in subsequent <laughs> sets. Anyway, Danny, ties do go to me. In of course, you have not outsmarted me. Well, it was a well played game, Charles. I, I appreciate being asked again. Uh, I just means I got to come back again. That's and see right, if I can beat you. and you'll probably be coming 
be entered in uh, one of our Tournament of Champions. So anyway, join us next week for another episode of Outsmart Charles.